The commonality between Purim and Yom Kippur is that they both focus on the future. Purim focuses on the future in terms of the Kabbalah Satora, that through the acceptance of the four extra mitzvahs which are given to the Jewish people by Mordechai and Esther and the Sanhedrin, they implicitly acknowledge that all the other mitzvahs, of course, were binding upon them. And Yom Kippur focuses on a person's resolve not to do the very that he did in the past, in the future. What we said is that in regard to Yom Kippur, the notion of regret creates a continuum. That when a person sees the distance between the action that he did in the past to the essence, the lofty essence of his being, and he feels the pain of how could a person of such solid character do such a demeaning act, that pain is a regret which expresses itself in the present through vidui and manifests itself in the pure future through a Kabbalah Habo. So really the 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 chuta ha ha the Briach HaTichoin in Yonah the Yuma. The Briach HaTichoin, the, the binding joint between Shuvah is this experience of Harata, which is based on a person's cognizance of the Milas HaAdon. He sees his Gadlus. Mimela, when he looks back, he thinks, how could I have done that? And he tears his hair out, his hair out, his hair, in frustration, and, and blurts it out to the Yibrenish Olam, resolving never to do it in the future. In Purim, even though there's a mention of a Kabbalah Lahaba, Rav Hudna points out there's no focus on the Kharata Lahavar. What is the Chiluk and what is it based on? He then launches into a Gemarin Shabbos Daf Peches, which describes Rav Avdimi Bar Yaakov, says Rav Yaakov Bar Avdimi, Rav Acha Bar Yaakov. Rav Acha Bar Yaakov, I think it could be Rav Acha Bar Yaakov, says Mikan Moidor Rav Laraisa. The first Gemarin Shabbos says the Akash Bochu, the Yichan Am Besachti Sahar. They, the nation camped at the bottom of the mountain. The Gemara Darshans, Besachti Sahar, doesn't mean at the bottom of the mountain, it means underneath the mountain. How did they get underneath the mountain? The Rebbeinu Shailam took the mountain and suspended it above them, saying, you've got two options. You can receive the Torah, and that would be great. If not, I'm going to drop this down on you, and there you will be buried. That's the classic case of duress. Any Kenyan engaged upon, any acceptance, any commitment that is done under duress is not binding because I, the I, the Ani, the Das is not present in that commitment. You're not doing it because you want to do it. You're doing it because you are forced to do it. When you're forced to do it, the, the, the being present in the transaction is the forcer, not the foresee. The person that coerced you into doing it, he is the one present. His will is creating this transaction, not yours. Hence, if it's something which is dependent on your own will, it's not binding in the slightest. The fact that the Rebbeinah Olam suspended the Harakah Gigis above the Jewish people exempts the Jewish people in the entirety from the obligation to accept, to, sorry, to be accountable for the Torah. They cannot be taken to den. Because they can say, we were honest. We never agreed to accept upon ourselves these obligations. In the words of Rav Hutna, However, Purim overturned that. The Gemara then continues and it says, Varava says, Even though the Jewish people as a whole, were under duress when they received the Torah. However, 
when it got to the time of Purim, they accepted it again. Meaning, they were mevatel the Maidah. They said, that that we claimed we were under duress, no, we're doing it willingly. The person that gives over this declaration that he's under duress to two witnesses means the act done wasn't done by the independent eye. It wasn't done by me. Rather, it was external forces which coerced me into doing it. But in contrast, when you annul this declaration of duress, the opposite occurs. When a person undoes his declaration that he was under duress, Essentially what he's saying is This thing which is done here It's done from his ani in its complete internal freedom In other words, when he says No, I wasn't under duress at all I wanted that to happen He establishes that the act took place with his full volition Are you all following me? So far, we're just reviewing what we've said previously. Let's go one step further. And Purim is a day which symbolizes the undoing of the declaration that we were Oines under Har Sinai. That day, which is Purim, on this day, on this day, we realize with clarity and with vision which is uncluttered Rafutna comes over here to address a different problem Right, there's a time lapse between Matan Torah and Purim. Purim occurred thousand years after Matan Torah. Don't know exactly how many. Probably around about that time. Historians amongst us. The kids are a long time. And there were many Jews that lived in the interim. Until Purim, until Purim, were we obligated in the mitzvahs or not? Hooray! The Gemara says, "Mikamaydoraba When the Jews accepted the Torah underneath Har Sinai, they were under duress. It wasn't a binding transaction. It wasn't a binding contract. If so, for those the following eon, the Jews were exempt. They couldn't be taken to task for not observing the mitzvahs. Yet we see. In Jewish history, they were Nevi'im, they were Oinshim. It was almost as if the Ashkocha dictated that yes, the Jews are liable for the mitzvahs. It happens immediately after Matan Torah, they held liability. Why? Why are they liable? Why can't they say, why can't they produce this document and say, listen, we never agreed to do this? What does it help 
that a thousand years later in the time of Achashverosh in distant Persia the Jewish people as a whole accepted upon themselves from now onwards it should work from now onwards it shouldn't work retroactively how does it work backwards? what do you want to do? I'll ask a question go on we're saying that when Hashem said um, there's such a thing called a, uh, what's called a modah that if a person, one human causes another human to be under duress, that's not a real self. But, but we're assuming that Hashem is also bound by these laws. Why, why should it not be that Hashem can cause somebody duress and it's not considered duress because He knows the best for everybody after all? Why, why are we assuming that? Because since the mechanic at play is equated or equatable, the, 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 the duress, being under duress, is not a choik, it's a swara. It's, 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 it's a logic, it's a seichel, meaning it's understood to a person that understands the laws of cause and effect that I can't be expected to keep a promise that I never made. It doesn't matter who forced me, if it's God or man. The fact that God forced me to do it doesn't mean I'm more involved in the process. It just means that the force was a greater force. But in terms of my own independent desire to keep what was told to me there's a consistency whether a man or God in other words whenever you see a difference between two different areas you have to ask yourself is that a difference which makes a difference and seemingly over here the fact that it was a divine injunction to give them that other option of you can die doesn't make a difference on the contrary if anything it makes it more of a paturinus than less of a paturinus because there's no way you can escape that he's the creator of all worlds and he's saying to you listen if you don't do this I will obliterate you and you're going to say well maybe I'll escape through the back door I'll find a tunnel it ain't going to work so therefore you're totally under duress so for sure it shouldn't be binding so Rav Hutna almost yeah you with me? yeah but still at the end of the day okay I can understand your promise wasn't a real promise but can't we say against your will Hashem said to, the, to you the Jewish people listen you're now against your becoming Jewish people with five mitzvahs and five and all the punishments so why, why can we say oh well it wasn't really a Kenyan it's a Kenyan he's above the rules again we need to we need to slice down what you're saying with Occam's chainsaw um, you're suggesting as follows we have a perfectly reasonable way of explaining this and you're asking a question you say why don't we say that there's a whole new in, there's a whole new operating system when discussing the relationship between man and God that even though when we discuss a person's own um, accountability in the sphere of the world that we're familiar with it always depends on how involved the person was in the act that he did however when it comes to God so even though you're an honest gomer you're still liable now, if that would be true, so why isn't that idea expressed throughout the mitzvahs and that when a person is under circumstances beyond his control, he should still be out liable for transgressing mitzvahs. Yet we see that it's a Torah principle, Oynes Rachmona Patre. In other words, in my relationship to the commandments that God gives me, if I'm under duress, the commandment, the obligation is not binding upon me. If that's true, the Create Himself acquiesces to this reasoning so why would he transgress it there's no need to assume that he does but the Noahide laws. what about the Noahide laws nobody accepted that nobody accepted I don't know nobody accepted upon themselves um, the Noahide laws and yet they're still binding 
the no one accepted upon themselves and no had laws. It's not such a simple point that you're making. The no had laws. It's 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 first of all, it's not clear. When I say it's not clear, I don't mean there's some type of objectively lack of clarity in this issue. I mean, I have no idea. Shimi. You said that what happened at Perm uh, demonstrated that the... Okay, good, 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 good. Patience, 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 patience. Don't be caught off sides. Demonstrated that... No, no, I mean stop. What? You're asking Akasha or you're saying a Mahalach? Um, I'm trying to work out a Tzvara here. Right, so I'm saying hold on to that Tzvara, okay. hold on to it. You're going in the right direction. You're going in the right direction. Okay. Um, the reason why I'm arresting you from doing so is I want to build up the problem a little bit more before we seek a solution. And then I will call on you, and only you, to advocate a theory. Fine, good. Yes. So you could say that I'm not liable because... And you're not. Correct, but if you did buy down, you're potter. You're annoying If a person said, worship this idol, or else I'll kill you. And you worship the idol, you have no obligation based in favor of the Zohar. And Bishamayim? Nothing. But you should have given up your life. But you're annoying us. Bishamayim, I'm also okay. Mm-hmm. You had been mevatel the Seh and nikdashti b'seich b'nei Yisrael. Separate point. Are you over a void of Zohar? Vada not. That's not a void of Zohar. You didn't want to do it. Okay. So now, the problem that we're stating is that granted on Purim, the Jewish people as a whole accepted upon themselves to keep the Torah from that moment onwards, but let's go back thousands of years, and why were they held liable, which is inevitable from the fact that they were exiled, that they were punished, that the prophets spoke to them with admonition that they were liable for what they did, but according to this reasoning, they should not be until the day of Purim arrives. Correct? So Rav Hutna in his words is bevorning, that's for a bevorning is a Yiddish word which means Pre-empting. Anticipating, preempting. To bevornen is the Yiddish infinitive. Bevorning is a anglicization of it. Bevornen, like eating by someone. And the yom. So now, so the, let's just read this paragraph, and then we'll call on Shimi to suggest. It says Ravutna, the yom hapurim she'anu danin oisoi leyom bitul hamoydor rabbelaraisa that we judge Purim as the day when we undid the Moedah Rabbah. We undid this declaration of Oynes. Perushoyhu. The Pshat is, Shebiyoyim Zeh. On that day, Anu Makirim. We recognize. Bebehirus. With light. Ubebehirus. And clarity. Kihanase Venishma that the Naseh and the Nishma that we said those thousand years before Shayechu le'etzem hanakuda shel havayoseinu ha'atzmosis that that Naseh and Nishma is relevant to the essence of our being the essence of our intrinsic being Venimsa the Hakiblu de Purim, the Kiblu Purim Machrizu announces Ki Ani, Ani, who I ish, 
I am the man that it was with my own full will, will and volition that I vowed Nasevanishma. Shimi, will you explain the swara behind Rav Hutna? Purim acts as an insight and a revelation that even though there was a duress, but that wasn't what made me do it. Had the mountain not been there, I would have done it anyway. The mountain wasn't coercing me into doing it. Because since Purim is a reflection of the Jewish people as a whole, the Svoya is that the Jewish people as a collective whole, when they receive upon themselves the Torah and Purim, it's not that now they're keeping it, now they're revealing that that component was ever present in their heart of hearts. It just wasn't open to the eye because it appeared to be an act of oiness. But now they said what appeared to be an act of oiness and it was done under seeming duress. I had full volition. Me, the body of eternal Klal Yisrael, regardless of space and time, wants mitzvahs. We want the Torah. How do I see that? Because I see a Klal Yisrael which is a part of an eternal link that makes a declaration. That's not something which was nishadesh in the Klal Yisrael of Mordechai and Vesta. That's something which was ever present in the being of that incredibly powerful nation which spans time and space, eternal and indestructible. Are you following me? Sam? Um, one question I have is, why then was did mountain Great question. I think it was a question which was asked by someone else. What was the necessity if HaKadosh Baruch Hu knew that we wanted to do it, why was the mountain held over us? The Kashi is actually asked both by the Medjushtan Chum in Parashas Noyach and also by the Tosis in Shabbos Daf Peches. The way the Maharal explains it in Gur Arya on Chumash Rashi is he says the reason why the mountain was held over us is not to coerce us but to demonstrate that even if we wouldn't want it, that not that the Torah is ours because we want it, it's ours because it is. In the reality of the nature of the keeping of Torah, the truth is we don't have a choice. Torah is a description of reality. And if you step out of it, you're living in illusion. So it has to be. It's mukrach. The reason why the mountain was held was to describe the fact that the Torah is an imperative state of being that we need to have. But that's not why we did it. That's just what it is. Second question is, he's saying, Rabbi saying that, that when we, the Jews said they accept, accepted again, it means that it shows that they always accepted from the beginning. That's right. But there was a huge event that happened, and that was the impetus for them to do this. Correct. So could it be that they, that because of this new you could say that but what we're saying is that you can look upon the new event either as a mechadesh or a megale does it reveal something which was ever present or does it introduce something which was never there before and I'm agreeing to you I'm agreeing to you and I'm saying I'm not trying to prove I'm stating that there's two possible ways of understanding this either you can say that based on the pressure of the events, the Jewish people discovered this inside of themselves, yesh ayin, 
or else you can say that at this point in time given the push and the pressure they came to a part inside of themselves which is always there and had been camouflaged and we're taking the latter mahalach in terms of our concept of what the Jew is it's much more consistent Yeshua I've understood that the Holy Mountain was also for Hashem to make the Jews Zakai say greater someone that's commanded and does over something not commanded just to say that you accept it alright great but I want to make them he wanted, he wanted to make the Jews Zakai to be fulfilling something even that they're Mitzavah I have I have I have well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure if it's exactly what Sam asked, but um, if it was Zimri on Sunday else, that um, can we also say Purim is an onus? Because it was either you know do shiva or be annihilated. That's the whole ikkav Purim. Hashem wasn't revealed, whereas on Sinai he was. You can interpret it as a physical threat and say, okay, well we just have to take a chance. We'll flee. We'll dig bunkers. We'll start an army. What, what, did, what did the Jews do to accept the Torah and on Purim? They acknowledged that they were, they were more than overjoyed to accept the four mitzvahs which are Nishadesh and Purim. And as far as if they were willing to accept other mitzvahs, Koshka and the mitzvahs they already had, they were willing to keep. What was the four mitzvahs? The, the four mitzvahs which correspond to the four levels of the persona are Matanus Levionium, corresponding to your possessions. Um, corresponding to your guf, corresponding to your ruach, to your emotions, to your midas, and corresponding to your seichel, to your perception, to your understanding. Okay? Uh, unfortunately, gentlemen, we're going to have to stop here before we continue. Um, thank you for your application. It seems like his